Hello, and welcome to Running a Small Building Firm, a podcast brought to you by the HBXL Group for residential building firms, working on renovations, extensions, loft conversions, and new builds. We discuss everything from money and marketing to competitors and contracts. Here, we share advice and best practice, and plenty more. So welcome. Hello there, and welcome to episode six of our podcast, Running a Small Building Firm. My name is Joanna Mulgrew, and I'm Managing Director of HBXL Group. And I would like to welcome back Simon Lazarus, um, Managing Director of the Better Business Group and longstanding business partner of HBXL. Hi, Joe. Nice to be back. Thank you. Uh, we, uh, we worked together on episode five, which was why you're undercharging and how um, to change. And today we're focusing on um, a slightly different uh, topic, but very much related. And it's simple changes to your quoting that will make you more money. Um, so we're going to build on the last podcast. I do have a watch um, of episode five, um, why you might be undercharging and how to change. Um, and we'll be going over some, um, some of that again, however, um, today. Um, but it was all about why getting your customer quotation right, um, being so important for a sustainable future in construction. Um, what do we mean by your quotation being right? Well, there's obviously two parts to um, to quoting. Um, I guess one is getting the actual cost of the building work right in the first place. So have I estimated everything, all the materials, the labor, the plant, the subcontract, the sundry involved with the project? And then there's the other side, which is what you add as your markup um, and slapping on a few hundred um, extra quid to your estimates is obviously not a long-term solution to undercharging, which is why in our episode five, um, we were really challenging our building firm owners to bite the bullet and review their approach to quoting um, and not just the quote itself, but who they're quoting, the type of customers they're targeting um, and what they want um, for their future. So um, I guess you firstly, you need to be um, committed to the concept of charging your worth. Um, after all, you are offering an incredibly valuable service to homeowners and probably increasing the value of their properties quite significantly by your work. Um, but you have to get the right mindset to, to tackling your estimating and your quotes. And that's where we're going to focus today's session in episode six. So before we start with the good stuff, um, Simon, um, could you summarise for us what you do at Better Business Group and, and, and how you help building companies? Yeah, we've been going since 1995. We were the original continual monitoring system for builders. We work with builders on every inquiry they get of their own. We find out who their competitors are, what the other prices were, what clients liked about them, didn't like about them, what they preferred about their competitors. We feed all this back to people and we mentor them on what we find. On yeah. average, builders are able to charge about 20% more with our help and convert another one or two out of 10 of the inquiries they're getting into business. And also we give them lead to work, proper structural work. They're all pre-qualified leads from people that have already applied for planning. And we work with them at every stage of the game to turn those inquiries into work. And by doing that, we have lots of management information to give them to help in, mentor them to improve their business for the future. So we're very hands-on. We're very different to every other organization out there. And we're very hands-on. We've tracked £2 billion worth of residential inquiries with the customers and talked to all their decision-making processes. We've given out nearly £800 million worth of leads to a select number of builders to quote on, uh, of which they're converting at a high profit margin. So we have a really good insight from both sides of the industry as what needs to be done to, to run a profitable building company. Yeah. 
And what I love about what um, the Better Business Group do is that, um, firstly, they're, they're passionate about residential building companies. You know, it's about a smaller building company who perhaps doesn't have the business support um, and the backing um, that, that other types of firms have. And it can be quite a lonely old game running a building company. And I think, um, as I've said before, kind of Simon acts as somewhat a critical friend, you know, and supportive friend, I should um, add, um, as well. It's not just all about the critique. It's about being there to help you with those um, those quotations and, the um, you know, perhaps uh, securing um, some really nice jobs um, along the way for you. And also helping, I guess, Simon, one thing I don't know that you've mentioned um, so far today is about when a builder is up and quoting against other um, competitors, you can do some research on those competitors um, for the, um, you know, for the homeowner to kind of, I, I don't want to say dish the dirt, that sounds very um, <laughs> unpleasant, but it's, it's quite likely that some of these other firms that the builders up against have got CCJs, problems, they're going, they might be going on their way out. Um. Well, these cheap quotes that people are quoting below the cost of doing the job properly is never a good sign when I do the yeah. credit check. It can't be, can it? You know, yeah, not quoting yeah. the right money to do the job. The original bill is not quoting for a huge profit margin, in my experience, in the first place. Anybody substantially cheaper than them, it can't be done for the money. So it's never good when I do the credit check. About 94% of the searches we do on the cheaper builders compared to our builders are seriously detrimental. Yeah. When we show that to the client, they don't want to use them. They realise that they won't yeah. charge the right money for the job. So we yeah. turn their thinking on its head. Rather than thinking our yeah. guy's expensive, they now can see that he's probably the right money to do the job properly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, hopefully in the time we've got available today, we're going to cover the estimate itself and um, a bit more on which customers are worthy of your attention. Um, it's really time to get picky with those jobs that you are quoting on. So, Simon, uh, you're of the opinion that now is actually a good time to start charging customers, you know, the correct value, inverted commas, for the job? Because, oh, gosh, with inflation has been crazy, you know, is it a good time to be thinking about raising your oh. prices? It's never a bad time to charge the right money, is it? Uh, what yeah. it means is you've been underselling yourself up to now if you're not charging the true value of the job. Yeah. Most businesses I see are undercharging, as we mentioned last time, by a good 20%. Other builders are charging a premium over where you are today and they're still winning business. Really yeah. interesting. I take builders on and ask them all where they are in the marketplace and everybody tells me they're mid-priced. What that tells me is every job they've ever done, the client's paid more for them than they could have done with a cheaper quote. And similarly, those builders know that there are more builders out there that for the same work they're doing, they're charging hugely more than they are. So it's yeah. a given that you can all yeah. charge more. The question is, why aren't you doing it? And yeah. what do you need to do to move yeah. your business up to the next level? That's the key here, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I guess, you you know, there, there is a bit of a slowdown. Um, but, you know, I guess the market's been was completely crazy post-COVID anyway. So I guess it was always going to settle somewhat. Um, there's still lots of people home working as well, isn't there? Having so the demand for there's a that... slowdown from the boom, but that wasn't obviously sustainable in the first place. But uh, dis despite all the economic gloom and doom that you hear over the TV and the radio, planning numbers are high. My builders are doing plenty of high value, very profitable jobs. The number of inquiries we're getting in hasn't really dropped, to be honest with you. So yeah. there's plenty of business out there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The question is, if you're quiet, why aren't you winning them? And when you're doing yes. it, why aren't you charging the right money? Yeah. Well, I, I guess there's um, there's the post-Brexit 
situation as well, isn't there? Um, you know, where there are fewer, there are fewer uh, trades, good tradesmen out there. So, you know, a lot of builders are still busy, you know, working um, round the clock. And, and so there is no point in working for that, you know, minimal profit or, or loss because the client said, well, I won't use you because you're too expensive. So you go cheaper. Well, um, no doubt. A lot of the front subcontractors went home in the first lockdown, March 20. They haven't come back to the UK. So why are you trying to fill your diary with loads of jobs when there are a shortage of tradesmen? Much better to do fewer jobs with a select team of tradesmen, charge yeah. a premium, pay your guys more, keep them loyal to you. You haven't then got to keep feeding them. Once you start building a team up, it's not just this yeah. job that you've done. You've got to keep feeding them all the time with more work. Yeah. Otherwise, they go off and work for somebody else because there's a shortage of good tradesmen. So yeah. inevitably, you have a cancelled job or a gap in the diary. You're priced cheap to fill that diary to keep your guys busy. And yeah. all you're doing then is building a low price, low margin recommendation for next year into your diary. Mm. Yeah. So business spirals down to be less profitable over time. Yeah. This industry is not to be busy. Nobody goes into business to be busy. I certainly didn't. You go yeah. to make money. So yeah. what we go through here is how to choose the right customers and how to go through the quoting process properly to prove your worth and charge a premium over other people that are quoting against you. Everybody listening to this will know that it can be done because they all tell me they're mid-priced, which means they all know there are people that are more expensive than them. So yeah. they need to do to get that extra margin. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking here, resisting keeping the diary full at any cost. Let's try and stop going after low paid work and being more choosy um, about um, our uh, our customers gosh i can't can't talk today i was gonna to say competitors but being choosy about our customers um okay so um we're talking about that select customer so we're going to have to go even more intense 100 110 effort into the ones that we really really do want and how we set ourselves apart from them i guess is um is, is a big subject um and we'll, yeah. we'll no doubt touch a little bit um on that um, okay, so um, before we start talking um, about the quote itself, um, I mean, I, I hear I hear builders even today with this apparent slowdown, but you know, it's only certain in certain places geographically. It's it's by no means not a national thing. You know, we see, we hear pockets of people saying, "Yeah, it's got quieter," but generally speaking, it seems to be that most firms are are, are pretty busy. So you can't necessarily respond to ev everything, mm -hmm. um, and I guess there's better and worse sources of leads i guess you i, I you would say um simon um we haven't all got time to go after everything and, and we shouldn't anyway um so well, what would you what would you say about the kind of lead type then well you don't want to be working for anybody that's looking to make money out of you ideally what you want to do is work for it i'm very passionate about this residential customers are looking to improve their quality of life those people they're not motivated by how much money they can make out of you and therefore try and give you the least profit what they're looking for is a good outcome. And if they like you, they'll use you, they'll pay a premium, they'll go to your contract terms, your payment terms, you'll have a good mm -hmm. outcome. And more importantly, you'll have a good recommendation on the back of it. So that way you're working for decent clients, for decent profit, uh, and you've got a sustainable future. If you just pay, just do a scattergun approach, chase everybody, you're not giving any of them the due diligence that you'll need to do to win them effectively at the right profit margins. And what happens then is your business spirals down to a level that keeps your diary full, keeps your guys busy and earns you very little. So you make no money. You then think, well, I'm not making enough money. I need more work. You spend a bit of money on marketing or advertising and you then spend eight days a week instead of seven days a week working. You work 26 hours a day instead of 24 hours a day trying to win another low margin job that's not going to earn you any profit. 
it's a mad yeah. industry you know it you is say, you know there's no other industry like it if you look at the actual hours people are working the return they're getting with most small building companies they'd be better off getting a job with somebody else and not having all the grief but yeah about it they want to have a successful business and it's all achievable you know yeah. with a bit of help and a bit of a leg up from you and me and similar other organizations life can be so different and it's a virtuous circle if you do it right you get yeah. high value high paying professional clients you know you have extra money in the job you can pay your guys more they're working on decent sites for decent decent customers with no grief and not being forced on a timetable you're spacing the jobs out more you've got more time to develop the business or to train your guys or learn new techniques or whatever it might be um and if things overrun or there's extra work it's not conflicting with the next job you've had to pack in to start immediately afterwards and create your problem so it's a different kettle of fish altogether you know and i i see all different types of businesses most small to medium businesses are working far too hard for far too little return for the years yeah. they got and the time and effort they're putting into these jobs yeah so um i'm just going to revisit um something i was going to say a moment ago actually but i don't want to yeah. uh, interrupt your flow there simon so i was going to say one of one of the things that we do within our, our government funded skills boot camps for construction um where we're looking at um, business management skills and, and how to um, to improve your your building company, and one of the modules is about business modelling. And at that point, most kind of builds on the course go, right, uh, you know, don't, I don't want to open a spreadsheet. Um, but what we do is we compare the different types of project work that they could be doing and um, the likely returns. So, you know, how many of this size job can I actually fit into a year if I do them back to back or do I want to overlap those jobs? What's what is a comfortable overlap? Um, what, you know, what am I happy with? Um, have I got the management team to actually um, uh, consider that? And obviously you can pack in more jobs. You can kind of make yourself busier da, 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 and you can end up with, a, a, you know, an improved um, an improved bottom line, not necessarily improved net profit. I'll say that. But equally, you can pick it, you know, put in a few select smaller jobs. Make sure you're charging the right overhead wise. Make sure you've got the right profit margin in there, and you can end up with the same bottom line, the same net profit as if you had absolutely, you know, ran like you were, you know, a marathon for the year. Um, and one of the things I, I hear, hear a lot of builders say is, I don't want to commit because the projects are, you know, at least three months, maybe five, six months in, you know, in, uh, per project, you're committing to a lot of your business life for this project to walk into some kind of like loss. So you've got to be really sure about the project type, in, in, in my opinion. Um, what kind of jobs do I want to specialize in, which match the kind of um, high, higher profits that I want to achieve? So it's not obviously a higher profit, it's not just a bigger job, it's what kind of what kind of jobs, what kind of management effort and expertise do I need to put in? What additional cost do I have to, to achieve that? And then have a look at, you know, what the bottom line is um, from, from that. And you can do that in a kind of like, a, um, you know, a test a test model. You don't have to like, you know, you can plan for that. I'm, I'm not explaining this very well, actually. <laughs> it's quite complicated. I want to show you a spreadsheet, but you can compare the different outcomes for your business by focusing on certain types of projects and cer at certain margins. Yeah, and it makes you. a big difference. I think we said in the last podcast, what you do is the job you do, you cost it accurately going in and then you review it, all the money that you spent on the job, all the money you had in, you look at the profit you made, the number of weeks you spent on that job, and then you can compare, is it better doing losses, is it better doing extensions, is it better working in this area or the yeah. town centre or the village around it, and we're better yeah. working for doctors or nurses, all these sorts of comparisons you can do properly if you keep the proper records. The yeah. problem with most builders is 
to be honest, they're chasing their asses all the time, 25 hours yeah. a day. And they've got no time to sit back and do this sort of stuff. So they're just going along with what worked previously and they're not developing the business at all and they're falling behind all the time. Yeah. So I guess you need you do need to get some decent financial support to, you know, um, some kind of um, finance assistant part time or otherwise to help you track the profitability of these projects and make sure that your um, your costs and um, you know, you know, coming from suppliers and your other overheads are assigned appropriately to the projects so that you can see what is actually working. So I guess that's a bit of an investment in time and well, effort. But if you're if you're costing these jobs accurately and you're charging 20 percent more, which everybody watching this, I'm sure can do. You don't have to do so many jobs in there. You will have the time to do some of this stuff. You can start off slowly. We're not expecting everybody to jump straight away from middle market to top end of the market and be the most expensive guy. But, you know, add another 10 percent on your prices. That goes a huge way. To changing your lifestyle your work-life balance okay yeah. i think very i mean there's lots of stages to this quoting process to win the right jobs from people mm -hmm. the first thing is you've got to understand what you're trying to do when you put your quote in nobody's ever going to turn around to you and say much cheaper than i thought joe when can you start mate you know so your yeah. your whole aim when you put your quote in is never to win the job like people think your only aim is to get to the short list right if leads off the web they're normally getting three or four from, I'll, I'll mention some of the common ones, check a trade, rated people, trust a trader, might be able to bark, all these hounds, all these sort of people. Uh, often they're getting 15, 12, 15, 18 quotes. You know, they don't want to talk Crikey. to any of you guys ongoing. It's a madness. What they're trying to do is get you down to a shortlist of two or three. So the name of the game here is to be kept into the shortlist, keeping the process for the jobs that you want to win and not to be knocked out of the first knockings and being told you're expensive because that's the easy way to stop you phoning them, which is what happens to a large majority of the quotes that people do. They're taking every inquiry that comes in, they're using a scattergun approach, chasing after all of them, not really doing any of them justice, and they're not losing, uh, they're not winning any of the decent ones that they really want to be working on, and they tend to win the ones that are fairly low-margin jobs. So okay. So what, in this spiral. So, what, so what would you say were the best and worst types of clients to go for then? Well, my view is best clients are certainly residential clients that have used a cowboy builder in the past they've had a disaster it cost them a fortune nearly gave them a heart attack they had a load of grief and aggravation this time round they're in their forever home they've got money what they want is not to have the grief they had last time they will pay a premium for you if you tick all the right boxes that's the thing um, the worst ones are commercial contracts where they're looking to make money out of you anybody that's doing it for a business you know they're a bigger company than you they've got strict contract terms and payment terms and payment by valuation in arrears and all this type of stuff, all the antithesis of what you want to be doing to have a profitable business. So if you can, certainly at the moment, residential clients are where all the money is, good profit margins, good sized jobs often now. Uh, so that's the way to go in my view, because okay. it's an emotional purchase, not a business decision. Yeah. Okay? So I think there's quite a lot of things people need to consider when they're quoting. I think the first thing you need to do, you need to prepare if you're going to quote somebody, um, first thing you've got to do actually is pre-vet them so you know yeah. where did you get the inquiry where did you find me from how many quotes you're going to get roughly what budget did the architect give you for the job all these things they'll give you the wrong answers chop it off there you know where are you with your planning application have you got the structures have you got building regulations have you started a party wall agreement if they're at the very early stage and they're thinking it might be nice to have an extension done which is generally the sort of inquiries you pick up off the web then they're not the people you want to be talking to and spending your time at at this stage give a rough budget wide budget price that would be between 50 and eighty thousand quid obviously when you've got your documentation be happy to quote you more accurately put an end to it don't invest time and effort in talking to them if i've got a proper second fixed spec 
you want to hide into nothing because you're going to be spending ages basically writing that spec for them and continually quoting them as they change their mind. And often all they'll do is take all the information you've given and punt it around for a cheaper price. So what would you recommend if they haven't got that um, that that spec then? What would you say? What, was, uh, well, what should the builder say? If they've got everything, if they're ready to go to get price, they've got all the structurals and the building works and everything, but not a second fixed spec, they're worth talking to. But you don't, I'll come to it in a bit later if you like, you don't include any estimated cost or PC sum in your quote at all. You're just padding it out with a load of stuff that no other builder's quoting on. No builder will quote for the same make of windows or is it a genuine Redux or a copy Redux? You know, is it one double socket and one central pendant or is it five double sockets or which are brass, not white, with uh, 10 downlighters in the room? So you can't win by guessing what you think the client wants and giving your standard type installation for electrics or plumbing or, or windows. Because no, nobody else will be quoting for the same quality or quantity as you are. All you're doing is padding out your quote with unnecessary costs. Uh -huh. So you're straight right. in the bin. You're straight in the bin. And you haven't got the opportunity to go back and explain, but hang on a minute, did the other guy quote you for all this, that or the other? Obviously, yeah. before you start the job, you've got to finalise exactly what they're having and give them a phone price. But this early stages of the quoting process, all you're trying to do is to get through to the shortlist. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So that's that's the thinking here, isn't it? So don't, so don't make yourself appear expensive by quoting for absolutely everything when they're you know when the bill when sorry when the client hasn't actually specified the everything yet you're you're, you're trying that. to only price what you can see and that is the biggest reason builders lose jobs in my estimation they're honest they quote for exactly what they think the client's going to need they quote for reasonable quality stuff and they're standing there at the top of the tree quoting 20 percent more than other people and they're straight in the bin and mm. this is why they're told they're expensive is because the other guys aren't quoting for what they're quoting for it's not like for like and often they go with a cheaper builder. Everything with those cheaper builders is an extra or a variation. The client ends up spending more money than they would have done if they had accepted the decent builder's quote in the first place and also yeah. had a lot less grief with it. So there's a lot of skill in this. You've got to remember, you're only trying to get to the shortlist here. So nothing at all negative in your quote and only anything positive that's likely to carry you through and differentiate yourself from these cheaper builders. Nobody will use your pay more for you if you look and sound the same as the cheaper guy. So you've got to look and sound different. These cheap guys have got better selling skills than you have because they never get a second job or recommend. So you can't win at that game. So you've got to use this quoting process to really stand out and prove why you're different. So, so does that mean does that mean sending with your quote? So, you know, all the kind of like backing documents like, you know, your insurance, your health and safety policy, your, yeah. your portfolio, but you know, this kind of starts, stuff. It starts a long way before that, actually, I think there's basically five stages to the quote process, if you'll bear with me a bit. I think yeah. the first thing is the preparation. The second thing is the appointment itself. You then got a site visit. Then you've got the quote you're actually giving the client. And then you've got what you do after you've given the quote to the client. So preparation wise, very briefly, I can talk this through individually with yeah. people after so they want. Look up the planning application if it's a structural job. Look at the plans carefully. Pick up on any omissions or anything you think could be done differently to give them a better outcome for the same or, or maybe a little bit more money. Um, look up the property values in the street. This is something that a lot of people don't do. Go on Zoopla or whatever. Look at their, their neighbor's house with a loft conversion. Look at the property value of their, the client's house without the loft conversion and roughly what it will be worth once you've done that job. That's not to say they won't pay more than the increase in value of the property, but it'll give you a good indication if it's a go from day one. So those are basic things you can do that other people don't do. And if you explain that to the client, you know, by spending 70 grand on the loft, I'll increase the value of your property by 100 grand. That's a conversation other builders aren't having. So straight yeah. away, you're looking like the sort of person they want to deal with. Yeah. 
next thing is the appointment itself. You confirm the appointment. I would never go anywhere, certainly if I'm dealing with builders, because they're totally unreliable. I would no, never go anywhere without confirming the appointment. Uh, be punctual. If you're delayed, let them know you're going to be 10 or 15 minutes late or whatever it is. Don't just leave them hanging there. Ensure your vehicle is clean. Okay? Um, turn up smart, casual clothes. People often ask me, do I turn up in a suit? Do I turn up in my work boots? Smart, casual stuff. Uh, I had a builder come to my office a couple of days ago, walked straight to my office to the conference room and left a trail of mud about two inches deep off his clothing Crikey. and his boots. So I thought, if you're doing it in the household you're going to, you're never going to win a job, are you? So these Did are you tell him, things. Simon? Did you tell him? What do you think, Joe, <laughs> knowing me the way you do? <laughs> I think you told <laughs> <Of course>. him. <laughs> uh, I told him in no uncertain terms. Um, also, when you see clients, sound, show confidence, sound professional, okay? And you need to be a good listener. Just don't talk to them about what you do and how brilliant you are. You need to listen to what they're saying. I took on a builder quite a long time ago, and then I said, I can't possibly use him. He stayed until about midnight talking about all his personal problems and all his divorces and all this sort of stuff. I wasn't interested in that stuff. He talked hardly at all about the job and how qualified he was. Couldn't wait to get him out of the house. I didn't want to talk to him again. <sighs> so be professional yeah. about this, you know. Mm -hmm. If you've done similar jobs before, talk about what you did on those jobs, any problems that arose and how you overcame them. So you're giving them confidence that you're able to do much bigger jobs than the one that they're asking you to do. Nobody wants to use a builder that's trading up and learning on their job. Yeah. Uh, take copious notes. Even if there's mm -hmm. nothing ready to write down, write down you know, what you're going to do at the weekend or what you want for a menu for tomorrow night. Write down loads of stuff so they think you're taking copious notes. A big bugbear of clients is you didn't really listen to what I said. You quoted me for loads of stuff that I didn't ask for. And you didn't quote me for some of the stuff I did ask for. So how am I going to get a good outcome on this job? So you're yeah. in the bin, okay? Yeah. Um, describe your work history, your qualifications, your accreditations, all this stuff that might separate you out from the cheaper guys. And I think on this site visit, you need to explain how you're going to be working, where you're going to be storing materials, where's your portal you're going to go, yeah. uh, where the skip's going to go, how you're going to keep the, the site uh, tidy and safe and avoid damage. Are you going to rectify the grass? Are you going to re-turf it? Are you going to reseed it? Or are you just going to leave it bare? Uh, discuss health and safety. People are very aware yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And things like, um, you know, the, the homeowner's responsibilities under CDM and explaining that as the builder that you've got to take that on, you know, because they're, you know, classified as a non-professional and therefore, you know, that there is going to be work to do on that front on behalf of the of the client. And I think that's, a, a, a lot of clients wouldn't even begin to think about that. And, you know, there is a necessary management expense for, for that even if you've got all your processes automated with something like health and safety expert um you still have got to kind of take on those responsibilities and and i think other things sorry that are not related to paperwork but things like access um and permits and so on um another competitor of yours might look very very cheap because they haven't you know ultimately when it comes to quoting i mean but just underlining that you understand to the client that, that you might need permits that you know we've got an access issue we're going to need to get a crane lorry in to do x or y i think it it shows that you've thought about um the the wider um you know project issues and 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 when it comes to quoting you know they can say oh right okay well the reason that there's the permits cost in there is because you know you've set yourself yeah. up and the other builder looks cheap and stupid to be honest because he's not included them and i, I remember I don't know if it was talking to yourself, Simon, about permits, but, you know, skips on the road. And that was adding quite a lot of cost to a yeah. project that another builder actually looked, you know, much cheaper. And, and the, you know, it, he was going to have, he or she, I'm being sexist there, he or she were going to have to charge the permits at some point yeah. that the homeowner didn't know. Yeah. Well, they just gave me as an extra. It wasn't included in the quote. You know, you've yeah. got to pay it. 
So, yeah. I mean, you're quite right. You need the, these clients often they're investing their life savings with you. They've never done a project like this before. You're the expert. You need to take the time and effort to explain things to them. Yeah. You need to explain the building regs process. You need to talk party wall agreements. I spoke to a lady yesterday. Architect never mentioned the fact she needed a party wall agreement. She's hoping to start in a couple of weeks. She hasn't even started the party wall agreement process yet. It could take a couple of months. So these are things that will really differentiate differentiate you from the cheaper guys. The, the cheap guys, cheaper, cheerful, they don't want to talk about any of this stuff. They want to get the clients signed up and, and get cracking and get some money out of them. Yeah. Okay. So when should so, the builder talk about the specification? Because I think um, obviously the spec has quite an impact on, on the overall project cost. And, and I know you're of the opinion if it's not, you know, if you've only got planning drawings and you quote everything, you know, you're going to just you're going to straight away look expensive. And as you've been saying, there's this process where you're just trying to get on the shortlist. But where is the right point to be talking about, OK, we need to nail, you know, let's chat through this back. I'm not writing it for you, but you've got some decisions to make, Mr. Client or Mrs. Client. I think you need to educate them at the earliest possible stage what they need to give you to give them a proper quote. Their job is to specify the job. Your job is to price against the specification you've been given. Unless they're paying you to write the spec and to advise them on second fix and to source stuff for them, then that's their job to give it to you. But nobody's told them that. That's the problem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if they haven't got a proper spec, you're, it's pointless quoting because it's never going to be right or accurate. You're going to have to revisit it several times probably, which is your time and money where you could yeah. be spending that with a proper client that's got all this stuff in place already yeah. and get a better out and a quicker outcome from it. Okay. So um, if they've only got the uh, barest of outlines, give them a budget price with a wide range of prices, you know, as a guidance, is that the sort of money you're thinking of what you need to do now, you know, get your structures done, get your building regs done. Obviously, as soon as you've got that, I'll be happy to come and visit you and give you a proper detailed quote, but it won't really inform you of anything. If I give you a price now, I'm just taking a guess. And my guess is going to be totally different to everybody else. So you're going to get a huge range of prices which isn't really going to help you at all anyway. And mm, they're not going to bear yeah. any relation to the job value at the end of the day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you've got to spend your time and, and money, which it is effectively, you know, you quote people that are ready and, and professional about it themselves. Okay. So, so with the quotes, you've got to produce a professional looking quote and you've got to get it back quickly, which is why I love HBXL because that does it straight away for you. Uh, make sure there's no spelling errors anywhere. The number of quotes I see with basic spelling errors in, and the client thinks, well, blimey, if he can't speak English, has he really understood what I want? And yeah. am I going to get an outcome at the end of the day? Okay. If English is really a, a problem, it's not your, foreign, your your first language, get somebody else to face it up with a client. That's what I do. I've yeah. got a few people that do that. Okay. Yeah. And keep your business promises. If you're telling me you're going to get the quote in a week, do it in a week. And if you can't do it in a week, let them know in advance that, sorry, I'm waiting for another price from a supplier or whatever it might be. I'll, I'll be a few days late. Keep them informed. Yeah. And also, as you said, show your insurances, include proof of any qualifications, accreditations. Uh, you can talk to them that you will give them a payment plan, but I wouldn't discuss payment plans or, or contract terms at the quoting stage. It's irrelevant to this either one they use you. There's mm -hmm. nothing to put in those terms uh, or payment plan that's going to help you win the job. So as yeah. I said... Nothing negative, only everything positive. Um, I think after you quote, uh, a big problem with builders is they're very complacent. They all finish their quote, their, their covering letter off saying, you know, I look forward to hearing from you. All that says to me is you're sitting back waiting for the phone to ring, twiddling your thumbs, hoping that somebody wants to use you enough to give you a ring. Yeah. Days, you know, you, one thing you can be sure is the cheap guys are very active in following up because, you know, they have to be to, to get these jobs. So you're on the back foot if you don't do that. And it's not professional, I think. You put all this time and effort up to this yeah. day, you put it together. For the sake of a phone call, it's a madness. 
So what you say in your covering letter is, hope I've answered your questions correctly. Please give me a ring if you've got any questions. In any event, I'll give you a ring next Tuesday, Saturday, whatever it might be, just to go through any queries you've got. Now, when yeah. you vote on Tuesday, you've done several things, haven't you? You've shown that you're trustworthy, you're reliable, you're professional. You've done what you said you're going to do. All these things are differentiators between you and the cheap guy that's just chasing a fast buck. All right? Yeah, yeah. So um, talking about the quote that you're returning then, and, and I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm going backwards here. Um, yep. But I was just thinking about, so we've got our, if the if the homeowner doesn't have a spec, we're saying, well, I'll, I can give you an board indication, um, but please, you're going to go away and get, you know, building regs done. We'll, we'll talk again once that's done. I, you know, I'm ready, when, you know, to discuss when you are and I'll come and see you. Presumably at the building regs level, there won't necessarily be things like kitchen specified. And, you know, clearly that's not part of building regs or the number of lovely shiny sockets in the kitchen or or whatever else. Um, so what do you do with those, those well, kind of items? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a huge kind problem. Of add, yeah. It's a huge problem. So what everybody does, or in my experience, what most builders do, they stick a PC sum in. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you'll put a PC sum in for what you're in your experience it costs to do that, you know, for genuine envelopes, a nice set of bifold doors. Um, but you're the only guy doing that. Okay. So I see quotes with a standard electrical installation in the lounge for one central pendant and one double socket, which nobody's yeah. had for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, you know, your software, if you use a standard installation, is probably five double sockets and eight or ten downlights or something like that. I see quotes for bifold doors between two and nine thousand quid. Most builders are three to five thousand quid, something like that. I see quotes for standard sanitary wear for an ensuite for 100 quid none of these prices will stand at the end of the day but what it means is by being honest and quoting for what you think the client needs you're penning out your quote with loads of stuff that nobody else is often it's 20 percent of the quote value and you're in the bin before you have a chance to explain why okay yeah. it's a huge problem and the cowboy clients the road builder the cowboy builders the road builders they love clients without a proper spec because they can run habit with them everything's a minimal quote and everything's an extra variation once they get the job and they yeah. stitch the client up and they end up paying far more than they would have done if they'd have used a decent builder in the first place. So don't play them in that game. Strip everything out that's not been properly specified. Make model and quantity. If they haven't done that, you don't quote for it. You put it out the quote altogether. You close your quote off without it. Your price then is very similar to the cheaper prices because they can't not quote for the structurals and anything that's been properly specced. But then you have a second section in your emissions page. You've got an emissions page in the software. The following items haven't been quoted in, in uh, specified in enough detail for me to give you a definite price at the moment. When you know exactly what you want, I'll be happy to give you a proper price. In the meantime, depending on the quality and the quantity you want, your electrics allow budget in the range of whatever it is, 800 to 2,500 quid. For your plumbing, for your bifolds, for your boiler, for your flooring, a whole range of prices from low to expensive, all that's achievable, whole list of them, don't add it up. Yeah. So yeah. compared to what people are doing now, what has that done? It's done several things, actually, all of which are good for you. It's it's lowered your price down to a similar level of the other builders. So you're not automatically chucked in the bin and you're yeah. still in it for the shortlist. It's shown you're keen on the job because you've been through it in detail, and listed out everything they need to decide on to get a proper price for this job. You've been helpful. You've got a range of guide prices so they can decide what where their priorities are. Do they want a nicer kitchen? Do they want a nicer bathroom? Perhaps do they not want to have bifolds to cut the cost of the job down? And all these things will help you get the job. It's showing you're, you're not trying to rip them off. You're not trying to quote them cheap and, and, and charge them more later. You're being upfront about everything and you're being helpful. 
one of my guys a year or two ago won a job just over six hundred thousand pounds on the back of that yeah um, i spoke to the client he said i'm using your builder he said that you're i've done loads of building jobs said in my experience they all quote cheap and rip you off once they got the job your guy was the only one that was totally upfront and honest about everything he said to be honest i've got a clue what i want in the way of second fix i haven't even thought about it yet but i will have to do it now he's highlighted it to me but what i have done he said i've allowed towards the top end of the budget for everything that he specified for me so going into that job i know that whatever i decide to do i can yeah. afford to finish that job and yeah because your guy was so helpful i'm going to use him and he was more than 50 grand more expensive than the next most expensive quote yeah and yeah yeah so you've got to look at the sort of profile of clients you want to work for if you want to work for wealthy professional people they're not stupid people they're business people you've got to respond to them accordingly and they'll be they will love this stuff if you do it properly they'll love the hbxl quote compared to the one pager they got from somebody else with just a total of novat and all this sort of stuff they don't want to deal with people like that they want to deal with fellow professionals so yeah. if you tick all the right boxes you make yourself attracted to the right sort of clients and where people tell me that you know i put my price up and i don't win the jobs often they were too cheap and the client didn't think they met the profile for the sort of company they wanted to spend their life savings with so yeah. they didn't use you because you were too cheap but they didn't think you'd do the job right for the money yeah <laughs> I've, um a similar um point um but i've got a friend who's ha had a self-build done and um she she got so you know it's probably only three maybe four quotations and and her kind of final two one was um, a really lovely local builder um really nice guy she got got on really well so kind of she, i think she described him as someone she'd have gone to the pub with you know just had, you know she's really uh, you know um like what he had to say um, the other company, which was in the shortlist, was um, quite a big, you know, quite a big company, relatively speaking. I guess she felt a little bit faceless, you know, it was a bit faceless, yeah. but, um, you know, she was still impressed with their work. And where it came down to her decision making was on the the the, the company responding on time with the quote. And um, she just felt that they got, even though she'd really got, she got on really well with the, the, the smaller company. And to be honest, she kind of felt like she wanted to give him the work rather than the big yeah. company. She was like, you know, I kind of want to support my, you know, local company and whatever. But she's like, I just don't feel like I can rely on it. If, if he can't get that back when he said he was going to, what's he going to be like for the rest of the project? Yeah. And she ended up going with the uh, the other the other firm um, on that on that basis just because she felt, look, this is quite a substantial project as a professional. She's actually a teacher. She was like, you know, I need this project doing when they've said they're going to do it because, yeah. you know, I've got the kids, I've got to move out for an amount of time. Da, 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 da. So, yeah, I think it, it it can come down to some quite small details, okay. um, well, which is nothing to do with um, PC sums and provisional sums. Sorry, I realize I've kind of gone off on one. Well, I was just, I was um, just thinking about the subtle. But... I've got to tell you, Joe, that happens a lot more often than you think. I get surveys yeah. back that say, uh, I don't trust people with beards. He had tattoos. He was six foot six. I felt a bit intimidated. He had bad breath. I do, didn't want him in my house for four months. You know, mm. all these things. They're just looking for a way to whittle down the 15 or 18 people they're talking to to get shortlisted yeah. too. So as yeah. I said at the beginning, the name of the game is everything positive in, in everything you do and nothing negative so that you're carried forward to the shortlist as opposed to somebody else. Yeah. And then yeah. it does come down. Often you're quoting very similar businesses to yourself in the shortlist. It comes down to you your personality, your knowledge, as you were saying, do they really feel they can work with you for the time period? Often that yeah. can be a decider as well. I can't influence yeah. that. I can, I can pick people up on where they've gone wrong from what clients have told us, but I can't really do that for them. Yeah, so yeah. It's all about doing everything, all the little things right. There's no one big thing that's going to transform anybody listening to this into a hugely 
profitable and successful business overnight is not that simple. If it was, they'd all mm. be doing it. You know, yeah. it's all the yeah. little things that we can see that successful yeah are doing that makes a difference so that leads me nicely actually um and we're gonna have to wrap up soon i think we've we've been on longer than we're meant to we've got so much to talk about today um but i think a lot a lot of these smaller things require an investment in obviously time as we've been talking about but also genuine pound notes you know um being able to get a quote back to someone on time might require um either recruiting internally an estimator or outsourcing to a quantity surveyor or an estimating service like HBIC sales. Um, it might require a site manager so that you can take on, you know, you know, a higher workload, that kind of thing. And there's all these other overheads in, in running or marketing to the right type of client. It might mean that you've got to invest in your website so that it kind of matches the kind of requirements um, of, of, a, of, a, of a homeowner, a top end homeowner kind of searching um, when the portfolio is right or the photos on the website are right and not using stock photos, can I say? Coming from a marketing background, I hate it when I see stock photos because I'm like, that's not real. Yeah. That's really a real project. Um, but anyway, but the, the point I'm making is there's a whole heap of overheads that go with that, the actual cost of running your business. Um, and some of those are costs you're going to have right now. And then there's going to be this kind of like, well, okay, well, if I need to take my business up a gear, I'm going to have to invest and I'm going to have higher overheads. So have you got any thoughts on, on overheads um, before okay. we touch on profit? Yeah, first thing is you don't spend money to try and develop the business until you've got the basics right. So you've got to get this basic, all these basic things we're talking about first, get your conversion rates right, get your profits right, then you expand the business. But the big mistake that almost every builder I talk to makes is they don't properly account for the running cost of the business. So when you've got no work on, like in COVID, <clears throat> nobody's, excuse me, <clears throat> Nobody's bank account stayed the same. You've got all your standing orders coming out. You've got accountancy fees. You've got your loan repayments, all this type of stuff. And you have to account for that. And uh, for a standard sort of small building business, working from home, working on the on the, on the the tools themselves, that's about 18% of their turnover. Yeah. So all these builders we talk to that are scared of putting more than 10, 15 or 20% on the individual job costs, materials, plant and labour, if they don't take out of the 18% overhead, they're actually going to those those jobs looking to make a minuscule profit or even a loss mm-hmm. and that's assuming the job runs to time scale or to plan which no job ever does in the building industry unless you're very very lucky <clears throat> so if you put your proper profit margin on your overheads that will then assure, assure you that you're going to make some profit on the job if you do it correctly in the time scale you said you would but what it doesn't mean is that you're charging the true value for the work you're doing other builders that are more established with bigger overheads offices vans foremen all the things you might want to do in your business, they've got those costs now. When they do the same profit calculation you do and put the same percentage on you do, they'll be far more expensive than you, sometimes two or three times your price, but they're still in business and they're still winning jobs. And that difference in the price between you and them is you subsidising the customer. You're working from home, you're not incurring the cost, and rather than keeping that yourself, because you're doing the same job at the end of the day, you're passing that difference onto the customer as a saving. So you, you need to account for that properly and you need to go further than that. You need to plan for the business you want to be in the future, your future you in a few years' time, the sort of business you want to be, office office girl, her wages, pension, rent, foreman, extra van, extra tools, put all those extra costs in to calculate your overheads. Joe and I can both give you a spreadsheet to do this. You then revisit your overheads and you calculate what your overheads will be and you need to use that higher figure to add to your job cost today to give you that buffer, to give you that extra profit, to enable you to spend to do the things you want to do in the future. If you yeah. don't do that, 
you'll forever be the business you are today, working all these hours a day and night, being on the site yourself, which is only a sustainable business model when you're relatively young and fit and healthy. Once you start to get on a bit like I am and your health goes a bit, you can't work on the site yourself. You're going to have to pay somebody to do that for you. You're then immediately a cost to the business and you're not revenue producing. And I suppose the big question is, if that happened tomorrow, could you afford to do these jobs for the price you're charging today? And I'm sure the answer is no. So yeah. you've got to change whether you like it or not. It's going to be forced on you. OK, so again, rewinding just a moment. So we've got our total bill costs um, for the actual construction work. We've then got to add on our overhead percentage. And a lot of builders I talk to, they say, well, so I've, I've estimated the cost of the job, however, so whether the software or spreadsheet or pen and paper, whatever. And then they'll say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick 20% on. And that's the that's the price I give to my client. And as you've just said before, by doing that, your overheads are probably going to be anywhere between 15 and 20% anyway. So by just slapping 20% on the, the total building cost, you're just... You, you haven't made anything you haven't made a margin if you're lucky as you say you'll come in on 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 target you know time wise and budget wise but you won't have made anything because that 20 percent is basically gone straight out the door for overheads and a couple of percent gone for delays and problems or whatever so that's not made any money that is that overhead is not your profit margin so we've, we've got to then consider completely separately the figure that you're going to put on for your profit and um I think some people are a bit coy, but profit is not a dirty word. It's not nice to have. Um, it's it's to protect you for the future. You know, another downturn, oh. issues, non-payments from clients, pension. What are you in business for? You're not in business to be busy improving people's houses for no benefit to you. You yeah. know, the number of builders I talk to that say, I've paid all my guys and I've got nothing left to pay me, or they're earning more than I am. Well, yeah. Go, go and get a job for somebody similar to yourself and earn what they're earning. You know, it's a madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but the stupid thing is the market, it's not as if the market isn't there for people to charge this premium. Everybody yeah. knows builders are more expensive than that are charging this difference now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if they're yeah. charging it, when people tell you it's expensive, what that means to me is you haven't justified why you're charging the price you're charging. You need to change the way you approach the clients to prove your worth. Often yeah. you're doing a far better quality of job in these bigger companies is they they have lots of subcontract teams that they use the quality is variable if you're running a small business you're normally hands-on on the site yourself you ensure that it's a bloody good outcome for the client you've got to do the job yourself you know so yeah. the outcome is better with you and you're charging far less yeah so. okay so we've got our so we've got our overhead percentage anywhere mm. between 15 20 percent as you're saying say you know 18 19 percent or so maybe today and then you've got to charge your profit margin on top of that. So, you you know, 20 to 30 percent, you know, I guess whatever makes sense for that individual's aspirations. Well, if you do 18 percent turnover and probably 25 percent uh, as a markup on the individual job cost, you'll return about probably 20 percent net profit for a business, which is not high. It's about where you should be in the building industry for the, for the time and effort that you invest in the business. So it's not huge. So that equates to probably cost price for the job plus 50%. It's yeah. the sort of, which people won't believe is possible to do. They're struggling to put 10, 15 or 20% on. Yeah. They're talking to the wrong people that don't want to pay the right money to have the job done. And yeah. they're missing out. And, you know, if you do these jobs at these markups, you're being recommended as being bloody good and cheap. And the next person has a price expectation way below the true value of the job as well. So you'll always be busy because you're a cheap builder. Nobody's telling, mm. you, they're telling you you're expensive and baiting you down. Yeah, diary very easily because you're cheap compared yeah. to other people that are charging the right money to have a sustainable business. 
yeah. All this is doable without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Okay. And I guess it's just important um, before we sign off for everyone to remember that those bigger companies, they've got higher overheads in the first place, as we've been saying. And then they're adding a markup on top of the already higher overhead and build costs. So they're going to be much more expensive than you in any event. So even if you feel like, oh, wow, I'm really putting my prices up, you're not putting your prices up to anywhere near you know, what these bigger companies are probably doing. Yep. Every builder I talk to every now and again, they're really busy. They don't want a job. They stick a really high price in and they're dumbfounded when the client back, comes back and says, well, when can you start, mate? You know, yeah. so normally everybody's had one like that, and it doesn't, but they don't think, well, hang on a minute. Why aren't I charging that price every day of the week here? It's obviously doable. People will pay it. Yeah. But every builder knows that you can charge more because they all know more expensive builders than themselves. They all say they're middle priced. Yeah. So they all know people that are more expensive than them. So the difference is that the question is, it's not, is it? achievable because it obviously is achievable and it's being done by your competitors the question is why aren't you able to do it what do you need to do to change to be able to win these jobs from these wealthy picky clients if you like that you're yeah. not able to, to 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 make attractive to you at the moment yeah well that sounds like another podcast in itself um simon how to win choosy premium clients yeah. um I'll, I'll be there for that one so how do we know then if we're charging the right money Simon, in summary, how do I know when I've, when I've reached the pinnacle of uh, charging right money? Well, there, there is no ceiling because wherever you are, there'll be more expensive builders, but you've got to have good cash flow. You mustn't have any problems with your cash flow. You're paying yourself a regular rate, a regular wage. You're paying into a pension. You're not on the tools yourself. You're renting an office. You're employing admin staff. You're paying people to do on the sites what you would have done yourself. And you're yeah. concentrating on marketing and moving the business forwards. That way you've got a sustainable business model. Anything other than that, you're not, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're the clients. Okay. So do you have any golden rules to sign off on or four top tips or some such, I'm sure, in terms of um, a summary yeah. for us? I think the first thing is charge more you can and you should, because as we said here, it's certainly achievable. I think also you need to take account of your overheads and you need to... Uh, properly calculate your profit margins. People don't know how to, to calculate profit uh, percentages at all. So overheads, you need to ca calculate it accurately and you need to calculate the overheads for the business you want to be in a few years time. I think you need to decide on your markup percentage. You need to calculate it properly. And the other thing to remember is every job has got a value and you should price according to the value of the work you're doing and the and the value that you're uh, giving to the client in in the way of an increased property value. So yeah. if you if you bear those four things in mind, you have a much better outcome. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Everybody speaking here can do that. Everybody speak watching here and listening to us speaking can charge twenty percent more at least. I'm absolutely convinced of it. When we take builders on, they're all able to do it. There's two winning jobs. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's some some great advice there, Simon, and a bit of a confidence boost to us all. I always feel a bit rejuvenated after I spoke to you, Simon. I think, yeah, I'm going to make some of these changes too. Um, but quick note, because I've I, I'm surprised about this, but um, I, it's been brought up a, a couple of times recently. VAT, v, VAT, value added tax, T being tax, right? The odd builder that I've spoke to says, oh yeah, I slapped seventeen and a half percent onto my job costs. And we're like, well, that's the VAT, that's the your tax. Yeah. So what we've been talking about before is job costs plus your overheads 
plus your profit margins plus VAT. Absolutely. So don't get because people get confused by that, don't they, Simon? Yeah. Well, this business skills course I'm doing, I ask people what they would charge if the job cost was a hundred thousand pound plus VAT, and half the people on the course include the VAT in the selling price as part of their profit. Well, it's not your money. The tax man's going to take it away in the next quarter. So you do all your calculations for overhead uh, and costs and profit markup without VAT on. Yeah. And then when you've done the final amount, you then add VAT on for the customer in the final knockings. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. And this VAT, people tell me, I'm losing out all the time to people that aren't VAT registered. Well, my view is if you're quoting a decent size construction job, the client will have no confidence in you if you're not VAT registered. How experienced can you be if you're doing less than eighty-five thousand pounds worth of building work in a year? You know, a yeah. loft conversion now is sixty, seventy, seventy-five thousand quid, two and a half grand a square meter plus VAT for a shell only for an extension is the sort of going rate I'm seeing. Yeah. So it doesn't take a lot of building work in a year to come to the VAT threshold. And yeah. if you're not registered, you're not reclaiming all the VAT you're spending out on all your materials and everything else to run the business. So you're losing out that way as well. Yeah. The only difference is the VAT on your non-VAT registered labour subcontractors. And it's not the yeah. problem people think it is. You know, plenty of people are VAT registered. It protects it protects them when they get to a larger stage, proper limited company, proper VAT registered. It's the yeah. right image for the sort of clients you want to be working for. As we said. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I just wanted to clear that one up because, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that that was a, a, a thing. But actually, no, people are, were getting that confused as well so thanks for clearing that up okay and um, we could keep talking for ages I am um, we always could there's always so much to talk about and as I said to people listening Simon's really passionate about this um this the, you know your businesses that you guys listening small small to medium-sized building companies doing you know extensions lofts new homes conversion work this, this kind of thing Simon's absolutely passionate about helping your business um so Simon you know how, how can anyone get in touch um or and also so what, what can you do to to help how can you help I'm happy to get everybody watching a free one hour coaching session we'll talk through their business how they're working how they're calculating their prices the sort of simple things they can do to move up market straight away yeah um, I'm happy even to do a few surveys on their past customers just to see what their customers say about them if they want to work with us, we'll work with them on every quote they do. You know, we'll find out why they're winning and losing jobs. We'll feed all that back to them. We'll mentor them. We'll give yeah. them links to quote on to move them up market. Um, my main uh, website for builders is betterbusinessgroup.uk. Um, you can contact me personally, simon at thebbg.co.uk, which is Tanker Hotel Echo Bravo Bravo Golf.co.uk. Phone number is 01707 Happy to have a chat to you at any one time. There's no commitment, you know. We like to help you guys. That's why we run these podcasts and these webinars that we run. Uh, most of you are struggling inordinately and just need a bit of a leg up. We're dealing with people that have passed that stage. They spend a lot of money and time and effort to get to where they are. We can see what they're doing and we can pass some of that stuff onto you straight away to move you up a peg or two. All yeah. right, so don't hesitate. There's no commitment. Just give us a shout. Cool. Okay. So I guess that's helping them define what kind of profit margin they should be charging, what, yeah. helping explore what clients really think of them. And I guess, importantly, some support to make the changes um, required. Um, okay. All right. Um, so um, 
I think that draws us to a, a conclusion. Um, I, I know Simon's helped loads of our users um, over over the past few years. So if, if you feel like um, that might help you, um, do do reach out. And the contact details are also on the HBXL um, website for um, for Simon. So if you go under uh, useful info, there's our partner company details, or you can speak to the HBXL team and they will pass on your details. So thank you, Simon, for your time today, as always. Pleasure. And no, no problem at all. Thanks everyone to, um, for listening and taking the time to uh, to see how um, how you can improve your business. And until next time, I'll say bye bye. Thank you. Bye everybody. Cheers. Guys. Cheers. Good to hear from you. <laughs> Take care, Simon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Thanks, Joe. Bye. And if you'd like to see what positive changes you could make to your building firm, head over to hbxl.co.uk and take a look at HBXL's award-winning estimating CAD and health and safety software, as well as our partner company initiatives. See you next time.